0: Thank you for listening to Friendship Bible Church's message. Today we join Pastor Mark Rylander in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, with a message entitled, Christ Dwelling Place. Listen as we learn what it means to be the household of God. That simple little chorus is the outcome, is the process we ought to be witnessing and experiencing and walking through on on a weekly basis that we would seek the Lord, but that he would also make use of us in our community to seek and to be alert to opportunities to share his message with other people. The passage that we read a few minutes ago in Ephesians 2 tracks beautifully, which is why it was selected, with the message of Hebrews And what does Paul do in Ephesians? And likewise, the author of Hebrews, whom I understand by the the earliest, I'm going to say this again if I haven't already said it, the earliest record of who authored Hebrews is from like the 300s. It was a a fellow by the name of Tertullian, and he just says in passing, well, as everybody knows, the author of Hebrews, Barnabas, even some of us have Bibles, says the epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. That was somebody, some scribes later edition. Why is it that what we just read in Ephesians is going to sound so much like what we're going to be looking at in Hebrews? These guys ministered shoulder to shoulder for several years. It would be surprising if they didn't sound the same. If the, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brethren, Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. I'm going to stop right now and instead of saying house, I'm going to use the word household. Because Barnabas isn't thinking about a house building. He's talking about the inhabitants. We are the household of God. And so I'm going to use that word household. Because that immediately gives us the proper picture in our minds. And we think by pictures. Who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was also was faithful in all his household. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the household has more honor than the household. For every household is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his household as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son. Christ as a son over his own house, household whose household we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, Holy brethren, everybody say that expression with me. Holy brethren, you are God's holy ones. In God, in heaven's courts, in heaven's household, you are as holy as God is holy. You're either holy or you're not. It's an all or nothing thing. And he grants to us by virtue of what our Lord Jesus, his son did for us on the cross. The issue of our sin and our sinfulness that separated us from God has been completely, utterly addressed. So that when we with an open, empty hand received that gift of forgiveness, forgiveness, and that's a financial term it is a court it is a legal term meaning your debt has been removed <coughs> it's been paid it's been paid jesus paid our debt on the cross we owed To the holy God, we owed him a lifetime in the lake of fire. And excuse me, I got that wrong. An eternity in the lake of fire. And Jesus paid the debt so that God the Father is able to throw his arms with a glad grin on his face around us and welcome us. We are holy. As he is holy. Brothers, brethren, again, let me state. In the Roman world, the word brothers was included females as well as males. It meant you were an heir. Part, you are fully qualified for the full inheritance. It was a legal term that applied to both genders. You were were brought to the head table, you are wholly brethren now what has he been saying to these people what has been part who is this congregation who are these people they are a, Barnabas is writing from Italy we're going to see that at the close of the epistle he's been writing to Italy back to this congregation that he in all likelihood ministered to himself in North Africa that has endured a lot of persecution and as he will say at the close, of the, their hands are hanging down their knees are weak they've run out of energy They've endured a lot. They paid a big price for their loyalty to Jesus. And because of that, (coughs) in a desire to get away from that torment, they are being attracted to a cult. It is a Jewish cult that elevates Jewishness as an ethnicity elevates. Oh we need to really being be paying attention to angels. They elevate angels and they elevate anything having to do with their Jewish anything that they think will attach to making them superior to the people around them and Barnabas who himself by the way is ethnically a Jew is saying go peddle your papers somewhere else pal. They're wrong. They are wrong. You cannot be made more holy than he makes you and he starts out by saying. God the son we have been called away from chapter one we have been called into the presence of the son God is communicated to us by son by son Uh, an incredible form of communication the apostles watched God in the flesh for three to three and a half years they watched this one who could say he who has seen me has seen the father Moses never would have dared say that. Elijah never would have dared say that. Jeremiah never would have dared. None of the prophets would have dared say any such thing. And in fact, we see this incredible event described in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus took James and John, yeah, James and John and Peter to this mountain. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appear and they are speaking with Jesus. And being the the super Jew that he was, Peter said, Wow, Jesus, let myself, James and John, let us build tabernacles for the three of you. Uh, Uh-uh. A bright cloud comes over them, and out of that bright cloud, the voice of God the Father, This is my beloved Son! Listen to Him! And they all hit their faces. Don't you dare put my son on the level with Moses or Elijah! And when they recovered, they stood up. And it's Jesus alone called the Mount of Transfiguration because Jesus had been transfigured before them and they saw the brightness of his glory. And he told them not to tell him. But what had they done? They had mistakenly, I mean, these are Jews. Moses and Elijah our renowned heroes from days gone by. And what does the, the father of Jesus say? Don't you dare. And that's exactly what Barnabas says in chapter one. God spoke to our our forebears by the fathers and the and the prophets. Now he's spoken to us by son. And then in chapter two. He goes on and makes the same sort of comparison. Oh, don't you dare compare Jesus to angels. Angels, in fact, you are saints of, they're your servants. You mean these creatures, these beings, that even Daniel, when he saw these angels, he had to be restrained from falling on his face and worshiping? Yeah, they're your servants. You actually, in heaven's courts, have a higher status from than they do you have been elevated as much as any creature can be elevated by this God and now in chapter 3 he especially points to Moses. Nothing wrong uh, of, of any person who has walked this planet who wasn't Jesus did Moses made Joseph Moses was not a sinless being. In fact he would did not he was not allowed to lead Israel into the promised land because of horrible. Horrible sin. They had come many, many years before. The people of Israel were complaining because they had no water. Two and a half to four million people in the middle of the wilderness, you need water. But they began to rebel and to complain instead of trust the God who had delivered them from Egypt, who had parted the waters of the Red Sea, who had done one miracle after. They're already eating manna. And so God led them to a hill with a gigantic rock on it. We know where this rock is (laughs) and the water running from it. You can still see in the desert sands the evidence of the water running from it. And he said to Moses you walk up to that rock and I I the Lord will be standing in front of that rock. And you take your staff and you strike the rock. Well, you can't strike the rock without striking the Lord. And the rock split and the water began to flow. And for years that water followed them in all of their wanderings. And then toward the close of their 40 years wandering in the wilderness, the water stopped again. Back to the test. Moses, bring the people back to the rock. This time, when you walk up to the rock, don't strike it, speak to it. And Moses was so irate. He let his anger overcome his spirit. And he was so irate at the people of Israel because of their complaint. He'd been putting up with their complaints for 40 years that instead of obeying God and simply speaking to the rock, he struck it again. Well, God gave them water, but he said to Moses, Moses, you blew it so bad. You're not going to lead the people into the promised land. I'm taking away from you that treasure that incentive that has been pulling you behind it for 40 years. I'm taking I will allow you to walk up in the mountain and see the promised land across the River of Jordan, but you will not lead that. Why did he do that? Why did he give such a harsh penalty? Because I you ruined the illustration. I was trying to give to my people. How many times did Jesus have to be crucified? Once. Does Jesus have to be crucified again because of the incessant sin of his people or no? What do we do now? When you come to faith in Christ, what do we do? We walk up to the rock and we speak and the river of life begins to flow. In our lives the rock only of Jesus needed only to be struck once and then simple words will cause the river of life to flow and Jesus said I am the water of life and God had to put that penalty on Moses to drive home to the Jewish people that lesson that, he, that was the, the gospel lesson of all gospel lessons that he was trying to communicate to them. And remember, when Moses struck that rock, he had to strike through the Lord to hit the rock. So Moses was not a perfect being, but rightfully esteemed, rightfully esteemed. He had been used so mightily by God for 40 years leading this continually rebellious, complaining people. Hebrews 3, one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you cannot have a more deep welcome, glad welcome into God's presence than Jesus has made for you. God is your Father, Consider the apostle, the sent one. Who is the one who carried out the responsibility? Who is the... Paul in Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was sent by Jesus Christ. God the Son was sent by God the Father. He was sent to carry out the task that only he could perform. And he is our high priest. God is didn't just start the process that would lead us into a place of welcome with God he trained his son such that he was a, could be a high priest the picture that we had up there <laughs> earlier of the producer of the passion of the Christ speaking to the Jesus and all of his what is what is what does that communicate to us he is our high priest when we come to Jesus. A high priest has this role. He is to sympathize with those coming. But he is also to represent them before the holy God. So you want him to. Be able to adequately look both directions and carry out the task of maintaining our welcome with the father. Quoted this in Sunday school. I'm going to quote it again. First John two one and two. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. <coughs> Christians, stop sinning. Okay, got that? Done. Okay, we got good. good advice. That you might not sin, and if anyone sins, brethren, brethren, we. So John is including himself. We have an advocate, a defense attorney. Even in our court system, defense attorneys are often called advocates. We have an advocate, a defense attorney, a high priest with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous, the fully qualified one. Who is the satisfaction the propitiation the satisfaction for our sins. God the Father looks at the sacrifice of his son on the cross and says I am satisfied in regard to the issue of human sinfulness human sin human guilt. I am satisfied justice has been satisfied. He is the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He got it done. Therefore, holy brethren, and as we noted in the Sunday school class, the number one thing Satan does not want you to understand is the fullness and completeness of your holiness before God. You have been made holy by Jesus. And Satan not only accuses you day and night before, before God. Revelation chapter 12, he accuses you day and night before you. He reminds you of all the things that you have done or said or thought. Whatever it takes to disqualify you. And that's when you need to turn to him and say, away with you, Satan. Satan. In the name of Jesus, the Redeemer, away with you. The issue of my sin is utterly, completely resolved. And I have welcomed my forgiveness and I have been welcomed into the presence of the Holy God. And it is an incessant battle, but you need, it is a daily thing because Satan doesn't give up. It's it's all he's got is words. Don't believe him. Believe God. You are a holy brother, a holy sister. And he is the apostle and high priest of our confession. And so as we go before our God speaking, confessing, we have the one who's gotten the job done, the apostle and the defense attorney shoulder to shoulder with us. Who was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus Christ was faithful. As he said in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he sweated great drops of blood. Father, it be possible pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Who was faithful to him who appointed him. As Moses was faithful in all his household. Moses was a wonderful servant in the household of God. For this one, Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Don't you dare compare him to Moses and Elijah. He's on a completely different level above them. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who built the household, who brought the family together, who gathered all these redeemed before the throne of God, has more glory than the household itself. Has more honor than the household. For every household is built by someone. But he who built all things is God, who is the creator of the household, this family that finds itself welcome before the, the holy God. For every household is built by someone, but he will build all things as God. And Moses indeed was faithful in his household as a servant and a wonderful servant. He was. But a servant is a servant is a servant. A son is a son is a son. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his household as a servant for a testimony of the things which would be spoken afterward. And of course, so much of what we much of what we find in Moses writings and in the writings of many of the other apostles points us straight to Jesus. but Christ as a son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, but Christ as a son over his household, whose household we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We find that place of welcome at the table all the time do not forfeit the fullness of the blessing let me give you an illustration from Jesus himself we're all familiar with the parable the teaching about the prodigal son (coughs) you had the wealthy man who had two sons the older son the younger son and the younger son decided you know I'm tired I'm waiting here for this inheritance. My daddy isn't dying. Daddy. May I have my share of the inheritance without you having to taste dirt first. And so the father brought the two sons together and he gave the younger son his share one third of the inheritance. He gave his older son his two-thirds share of the inheritance, and the the son, the younger son, went off into a far country, and blew the whole thing. Have you ever noticed that money spends much faster than it earns? <laughs> it even spends much faster than it inherits. I mean, it can be. Have you have you ever heard that? It, The people that win the lottery end up deeper in depth than they were before they ever won the lottery. What in the world? And so he went into the far country, blew the whole thing, ended up filling this Gentile farmer's pigs. This good Jewish boy feeding the pigs. I am such a knucklehead. Even my father's servants have it better off than I do. They are not asked to feed pigs. I will go back to my father. I will write out a sales pitch ahead of time. I'll go back to my father and ask him not for a welcome at the table. I will ask him that to allow me to become a servant. I've blown it so bad. I know. I am not worthy of being at the table anymore. I despised my father. And so he's got his sales pitch already. What he doesn't know is, is that his father, whose house is obviously in an elevated place, he's been standing on his front porch day after day after day after day looking down the road for his son to come. hoping praying for his son to return and he sees him afar off and he does what a, a neat tidy uh, wealthy Jewish man should never do he pulls up his robes you're never supposed to see the ankles or feet of a of a prominent Jewish man or anybody else in the Middle East you just they have to maintain their dignity and their robes go all the way to the ground he pulls up his robe so anybody who wants to you can see his feet and ankles and he runs down the road. Why? Because there's a town right here and if those townspeople see this kid coming up the road and they know what he's done, where gotten back, they're going to run out and yell at him and tell him, you get away from us. You are ashamed to us. Go, go, go. So he's got to beat the townspeople to, to his son. So he runs down the road. And the son doesn't even get to give the sales pitch. His father throws his arms around him, puts a ring on his finger, and yells to the servants that are chasing him What in the world has gotten into the brain of our master? Bring the robe, put the robe on him, kill the fatted calf, we're going to have a banquet. This, my son. Who was lost has been found, and he brings him into the house. And then older brother comes. What's going on? He had what servants? What's going on? Oh, your father has killed the fatty calf, and we're going to have a gigantic bag banquet. Your little brother has come back, and big brother is out there just. I rate and the father hears about it comes out and he says come on join us at the bank your son your brother my son your brother that which was lost has been found come join us in the in the celebration I have always done what you wanted I have lived a life to please you. When did you ever give me that fatty calf to have throw a party for me and my friends? So this spirit of jealousy and anger rises up. And the father's urges him again, come in, come in. No. And so the lost son, the one who had gone to a far country is back. A, and the older brother never comes in. In the account that Jesus is a made up story to make a point he doesn't come in whose household we are if we hold fast the confidence the son who came back was hoping for enough mercy that he become a servant but he was looking for mercy that would be mercy and he found much more mercy than he expected and then there was the one who had always done What he thought needed to be done. But he didn't know what mercy meant. And he was on the outs, whose household we are, if we hold fast the confidence in his redeeming work, rejoice, and the rejoicing of the hope, the expectation, firm until the end. What is our ultimate hope, our ultimate expectation? Revelation chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Everyone who has entrusted themselves to Christ will be there enjoying the unrestrained, glad welcome of the Holy God. And nobody will be even uncomfortable rejoicing, yes, Grateful, yes. Uncomfortable, no. He's taken all the discomfort away. That's how unrestrained and deep and complete is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He is our, the one sent to bear sins penalty for us and he is also our defense attorney, our high priest to create that. We can give thanks. Let's do that right now. Our Lord, we thank you. We thank you we thank you that you have done for us even much more than we can even now imagine we understand to some degree our sin not fully it would completely wipe us out if you let us know what it really was it's full repugnance but you have cleansed us you have forgiven us you have welcomed us And we thank you that we can walk in that. And defy Satan. And we are asking that this week. We will allow ourselves to be fully embraced. By what you God the Holy Spirit said to us today. And walk in the fullness. Of it. And share that truth. With other people who still need to know. In your name. Christ we pray amen let's stand and simply close with our traditional closing Jesus paid it all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow, and all got.